You're listening to the Church of Life and Praise podcast. If you'd like more information about our ministry, please visit us at churchoflifeandpraise.com or check us out on Facebook. Our prayer is that you would come to know Jesus in a deeper way. Now, enjoy the message. So for the uh, 12 or so years that we've lived at my house, that we're in right now, um, the majority of the time it's been five people to one shower. So that's always been fun in the mornings. Yeah, 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 you know the struggles. And you see, the problem is my mom likes to pull the mom card She always brings up the fact that she, oh, I I have to take the longest to get ready so I get priority in the shower. Fair, fair, although she is outnumbered, so you'd think that would play into it somehow, but apparently it doesn't. So this morning, I woke up, and she was already there getting ready, and I was like, do you still have to get in the shower? She's like, yes. I was like, oh, okay. I was, I was going to get in the shower, but I guess I'll give you priority. And then my mom was very gracious. And she's like, oh, I forgot you were speaking today. I'll give you priority in the shower. I'll let you go first. She was very, very kind. Very, very gracious towards the position I was stepping into today. And so what I took away from this is apparently I just need to speak more. (laughs) And then I get the priority in the shower. Yeah, so, you know, whenever you want me to speak, Pastor, I'm willing. I'm, I'm ready. It's so, it's so awesome how God moves. Um, because, I'm sorry. There, okay, it's good now. I'm going to stop touching it. Um, it's so awesome how God moves because everything that happened in our service today is such a confirmation of what I felt to speak on today. Um, I think it is 100% on point that what God is calling us to is a season and a heart posture of intercessory prayer. Um, And in order to step into the season that I feel that clearly God is leading us into, in order to step into that, I think our first priority needs to be to make sure that our heart is in the right place. Sorry. (laughs) Holding the wrong part of the mic. Um, I feel it's very, very important to make sure that our heart is in the right place. So today, I felt to speak on what it looks like to be married to Jesus. Now, I can't pretend that I am a Bible scholar I've only just really begun my journey into studying the Bible, diving deep into it. I'm I'm not a pastor. I'm not a Pastor Ray. So today, I really just felt that I just needed to share my testimony. 
of how God has moved in my life and how he, what he has shown me it needs to look like to be married to him. And as the Bible says, this testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So my heart posture is as I kind of share my testimony and what I've learned, that kind of the, um, the truth that I've learned from my journey, my heart is that it would speak to you prophetically and enable you um, and activate you to step into the same truths. So my testimony that I'm going to be sharing today took place over about five or six years. And at the heart of it is the truth that I am a bride. Now, you may be thinking that that kind of sounds a little weird. And generally, I would agree with you. But the crazy thing is that you are all brides as well. In fact, any of you here today that claim Jesus as their savior and that are following after him every day, you're all brides. Now you may not feel like a bride. You may not see yourself as a bride. But that doesn't negate the truth that you are a bride. And that that is how Jesus sees you. When Jesus pursues you, he is seeking that kind of relationship with you. He's seeking a relationship of intimacy, of honesty, and of priority. He's seeking a relationship of respect and honor as the head of your life and your household. That's what my journey and my testimony taught me eventually. It brought me to this place of realizing that I am the bride of Christ. And then if that's how Jesus sees me, then I need to see myself that way. So my journey towards understanding my bridehood started when I first entered high school. At that time, I made the amazing decision to take a really big step in furthering my relationship with God by prioritizing my time of prayer with him. At that time, I didn't have a car, and so I just happened to live right next to the high school. So every morning I would get up and I would walk to school, and I just so happened to be walking right past the church. So I decided, okay, every morning I'm going to get up, I'm going to come to the prayer room, and I'm going to spend 15 or 20 minutes before I go to school I'm going to pray. And it was an amazing decision. But as I began doing it more, I started to running into some issues. Sometimes I would wake up and I would be really tired. And I'd go and I'd sit in those nice comfy chairs in there. And then all of a sudden, 20 minutes would be gone, and I'd be like, oh, crap, i got to go to school. <laughs> and I, don't get, I didn't get any prayer in that morning. Sometimes I would wake up late, and I'd have to skip it entirely. I wouldn't even make it to the prayer room. 
And many times I would come to the prayer room and I would spend 15 to 20 minutes trying to say the right words, do the right things, so that God would listen to me. Because I had this thought process, this belief that if I didn't do the right things, if I didn't perform the right way, then God wasn't listening. And that wasn't any kind of false teaching that I received. It was just a, a young kid trying to figure it out and accidentally stepping into this performance mentality. Because oftentimes that's how the world works. We feel like we have to perform in order to receive attention, receive approval, receive someone loving us. And so I just applied that without realizing that it was a skewed perspective. So unfortunately, because I didn't reach out to anybody, I didn't pursue any help, this performance mentality ended up killing my prayer life in that season because I wasn't seeing prayer the way God sees it. I wasn't seeing time spent with Jesus like a bride sees time spent with her husband. I was seeing it as a performer spending time with his audience. If I didn't do the right moves or say the right things, then the audience would turn away and go somewhere else. So you can see where I got very frustrated because I felt like I wasn't living up. I felt like I wasn't attaining what was required of me. And that was my first mistake. I was not seeing the world from God's perspective. If you're taking notes, this is the thing to write down. <laughs> I wasn't seeing the world from God's perspective. It can be so easy to get lost in our own thoughts and our own perspectives, our personal view of the world, that we forget how God sees things. That's why Jesus was so persecuted when he was here on the earth, because the way he saw the world and the way he approached people was so radical and upside down to the way that the world worked that people couldn't help but feel offended. <laughs> and I was falling right in line with that. I was just functioning from my own perspective and losing sight of how God sees time spent with him. From my perspective that was skewed, I saw God as someone I had to reach out to, someone that wasn't close and personal, that was already in the prayer room before I even showed up, waiting for me, passionately waiting for that moment that he got to spend with me. From God's perspective, he was standing right there every time that I came and prayed. And it didn't matter what I said. didn't matter if I had said these, thousand, those. <laughs> didn't matter if I said, sup God, how you doing today? didn't matter to him because he just wanted to spend time with me. He wanted to hear my heart cry. He wanted to hear what was burdening me. He wanted to hear what was important to me. And he wanted to speak things to me as well. He wanted to share his heart with me. He wanted it to be a dialogue and not a performance. 
but I just couldn't see it. I was blinded by my skewed perspective. I have a feeling that a lot of you can probably relate to that. That feeling of needing to perform, needing to live up to what you feel like are the expectations God has placed on you. Now, of course, this does not negate the fact that there are standards and lifestyle choices that God has asked us to make that should be reflected in our life. But the reason he asks us to do those things is because that those standards and expectations will enable us to live the best life that we can. It is not out of a place of forcing you to live up. It is out of a place of love and a desire for his children to have the most beneficial life they can. And the awesome part is that he doesn't ask us to walk it alone. Instead, he makes it a requirement that we lean on his spirit. Otherwise, we cannot accomplish those lifestyle choices, those standards and expectations that he set out for us. There's no possible way to live up without relying on God. There's no possible way. I mean, he, he says it over and over and over again in scripture. Psalm 139, five. This is David speaking. He says, I look behind me and you are there, then up ahead and you are there too. Your reassuring presence coming and going always. He is always in front of us and behind us, beside us, leading our path and protecting our backs. So God offers us his spirit so that we don't have to walk this journey alone. That's what I was trying to do. I was trying to figure it out on my own. I was trying to brute force my way into the kingdom of heaven. And that's just not how it works. If you're willing to just stop and just knock at the gate, then it's just going to open. But it requires reliance on his spirit. So I had allowed myself to lose track of God's perspective of prayer and relationship with him. And as a result, I ended up completely losing sight of why I made the decision to prioritize prayer in the first place. And because of my frustration, which again, I didn't pursue help with, I ended up just kind of giving up on the endeavor entirely. So by like halfway through high school, I had very little prayer life. I went from praying every morning to praying here and there. If I had a big test coming up, I'd pray. If my friend looked at me the wrong way in the hallway, I'd be like, God, what did I do? In reality, they were just like, did I have a test today? Did I? I don't think I studied for that. And I'm like, they hate me with their entire being. So I'd pray in all the cliche moments, but I didn't have a relationship with God. Not the kind that he was pursuing, at least. I never stopped loving God. I loved him with my whole heart. I came on Sundays and Wednesdays and Fridays, and I poured my heart out, but I didn't have a daily relationship with God. 
And that was my second mistake. Because of my skewed perspective and the chaos that it created, I failed to make time for God. When you get married, there's an expectation that your spouse will receive a certain amount of your time. That they will be prioritized as you organize your day and your week. If you get married, and you say, I do, and you go even as far as to consummate the wedding, and then you don't look at your spouse's face every day, and say, I love you? I mean, how well do you think that would go over? <laughs> if you don't set aside time for dates and vacations and trips, you don't spend time with them every day, there's going to be some issues. I mean, that's just not what it's about. That's the whole point. And the biggest thing is you're not going to know your spouse. You're not going to know them. I know that we've heard this analogy many, many times. And it's easy for it to kind of become stale. And yet, we allow this analogy to become stale in our hearts, but there are still times when I go through a whole day and I get home at the end and I realize I barely acknowledged God. So how can we say that that analogy is stale if it's not pulling our heartstrings. I mean, we're all to blame for this. None of us are free of the blame of failing to acknowledge God. So I'm not speaking to you from a place of superiority or from a place of 100% accomplishment in this area. Of course not. This is a message that hits me, that convicts me, because it's so simple, but we make it so hard One of my dad's favorite things to say is we just got to do it. And that's the truth of it. I mean, we just have to make it happen. There's, there's no magic trick. There's no Facebook ad that says, I can read my five-step book and your prayer life will be amazing. It's, that's not going to work. You just have to make it happen. You have to decide within your mind and with your heart that I am going to prioritize time for God. Here's a little fun fact for you. There are 168 hours in a week. 168 and if you spend 40 hours of that sleeping, no, sorry, not, well, that would be pretty nice. <laughs> if you spend 40 hours of that working, and if you spend nine hours a day sleeping, you know, we, we, want, we want healthy bodies, okay? Let's, let's shoot high, okay? <laughs> let's be generous here. That's 103 hours. And then, you know, if you come to church on a regular basis, that's another three hours. And then if you come on Wednesdays, Wednesday crew, 
we'll just say that's another two and a half hours. Okay, 108 and a half hours. Well, there you go. I mean, you got 60 more hours in your week to divvy up. I mean, it's, it's not that much of your week if you just take 30 minutes a day. I mean, that's four and a half hours a week. That's it. And sometimes half an hour is hard in our busy lives. Four and a half hours of 168, that's not even So clearly it can be done. And there are many people that devote more than four and a half hours a week. They just make it happen. And as we established last week, time is the most important and most valuable commodity that we have. And God is not a slave driver. He understands that you have things going on in your life. He understands that you have kids. He understands that you volunteer in the community. He understands that you have work and responsibilities. He knows you have to come home at the end of the day and you still have to cook dinner and do homework. He gets it. I mean, he lived on this earth for 33 years. He, he understands that life is busy. All he wants is just a little bit of time. And then that will start to grow just naturally. So we've got to make time. We have to make time. And if you find yourself in these times, if you manage to start to chisel out some time for God in your life, and you're like me, and you walk into your 15 or 20 minutes of prayer, and you're like, okay, what do I do now? Here are some things that you can start off with. God, I love these trees that you've made. They're so beautiful and the colors. Fall is just my favorite season. God, I'm so in awe of the ocean and the currents, the mastery of your creation. God, thank you for blessing me with parents that love me with their whole hearts or siblings that love me with their whole hearts. God, thank you for blessing me with a school or with a workplace that is safe. Thank you for providing food on my table. Thank you for placing me in such a beautiful church family. God, what do you want me to pray about today? What is on your mind? Who is special to you? that you want me to show your love to? Who's one person that needs a hug today? I wasn't asking those questions. And even sometimes now, I struggle to ask those questions and have those real intimate conversations with God where I share my heart and I allow him to share his heart. That's the place I was in. I 
I was allowing the busyness of life and the responsibilities to cloud up my time. So at the beginning of high school, I lost God's perspective. And at the end of high school, I stopped prioritizing my time with him. And then I went to college. And many of you probably know this, but I went across the country to California for a year, and I went to a Christian conservator of the arts where I studied film. And that was one of the greatest years of my life. So far. I met all kinds of new friends. I made all kinds of connections that have lasted me to today. And the biggest thing is that for the first time in a long time, I was seeing God in a new way. I would say that that year was the year when my identity became so firmly rooted in my relationship with God that now I can say I have never since that day had a desire to walk away. I've never ever felt like there is anything else for me, anything else worth my time other than God. So it was a really, 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 really radically catalytic year for me. It pushed me into new places, pulled me closer to God, and I came back home with just a new fire. I was different, I was new, and for a while, I really, really was leaning into that fire. And it was awesome. But that was where I made my third mistake. As I began to gain more responsibilities, as I stepped into new positions, as I started working a full-time job, and I was busy, I allowed junk into my life. This can be so easy in this day and age that we live in. I started telling myself, oh, I'm so busy. I've got so much going on. When I get home and it's finally time to just have free time, I deserve to be able to watch five episodes of Person of Interest <laughs> and stay up until 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. I think we all, as we transition to adulthood, go through that season of our life. But for me, it really began to become a problem. I know my parents say, do as I say and not as I do. I think I kind of failed at that. Because <laughs> they have had some stories of staying up until like 3 a.m. and then having to go to work the next morning in their 20s. So apparently I didn't learn enough. So for me, it began to become a problem. I was staying up later and later, midnight, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., just aimlessly scrolling on Facebook, watching episode after episode, just becoming just inundated by this just constant noise Then it started creeping into my work life. Whenever I had a free moment, like every break, 
every lunch, I feel like I needed to be watching something, something to fill my time, something to enable me to turn my brain off. It became this crutch. It became like this medicine, like, got so much going on, I'm all busy, blah, 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 blah. My brain's going at 20 miles an hour, 20 miles, that's really slow. 120 miles an hour. Got all these things I gotta think about and blah, 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 blah and work and blah, 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 blah. And then I come home, I'm like, Ugh. I just wanna turn my brain off. But what I didn't realize is in those moments is when God was saying, let me, let me be the thing that fills your thoughts. Let me be your free time. I had this constant intake of content, information, flashing colors and lights and sound and music into my mind. And then, of course, it just all started to trickle down. Because the battle really does start with your mind. And then it trickles down to your heart and then your spirit. I was just constantly forcing this stuff, this junk into my mind, into my time. And it took me a while to realize that it was sucking the life out of me. Because I wasn't just allowing myself space to just think. I saw, I read this article once that said that every person should take at least six minutes every day to do nothing. Because that allows your thoughts and your mind to just drain. Because we've always got stuff going on. And for a while, I was doing a really good job of that but I think I need to start that back up. And it's really awesome to be a Christian because we can take all of this science that the world gives us and then we can just plug God right in because he created science. He's the master of science. And so I would often take those six minutes or 10 minutes or however long I decided and I would just not think about anything. I would just not listen to anything, not watch anything. I would just sit in silence and allow my thoughts and the busyness to just kind of drain out. And then, and then I would just be free to talk to God. But I wasn't doing that. I, in fact, I wasn't taking really any time with God. I became absorbed into this cycle of waking up tired and drained because I'd stayed up way too late the night before, going to work and not giving my best because I was tired, And then coming home and being so drained because I went to work tired and then I worked for eight hours. So now I'm even more tired. I mean, I think, I think this is probably speaking to a lot of people. This has just kind of become our culture for some reason. 
And then I'd cloister away in my room and just do it all over again. And I was stuck in that place for a long time. And it wasn't really until recently that I realized that God was not fitting into the picture of my life. Because all of my time was taken up. It was all being filled with this junk that, I mean, doesn't matter. is worthless. I mean, Paul says that all of his, even his greatest accomplishments are trash compared to Jesus and the sacrifices he made. So, like, what am I even doing? <laughs> it just wrecked me. Like, the creator of my entire being, the one who breathed life into my lungs, lungs every morning, is waiting for communion with me, desperately. And I was sitting on my butt, just filling every empty space in my mind with this junk and like not even really enjoying it. You know how we do that? Like, it's like little kids that just like eat candy, just in the fistful, and then, <laughs> and then they end up throwing up. It's like, I was just filling my mind with this junk food. I wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't feeding myself the good meat. I wasn't even like filling my mind with like good earthly stuff, like documentaries and like learning. I was like, oh, that's a funny cat. Hmm. Oh, there's another one. Wow. And then like five seconds later, I don't even remember it. Like, what am I doing? This is stupid. This is just just stupid. And for you, it doesn't have to be social media or TV. But I think we can all latch on to these things that maybe didn't start out as junk, but they become junk because they're taking away from God. It could be your kids. It could be your work. It could be your creativity and your desire to create things. I know that's been me sometimes. I'm a very creative person. I like to create art, but sometimes it can just absorb me. And I go a whole day working on this creative stuff, and I realize, well, when did I invite God into that creativity? After all, he's the one that inspired me with it in the first place. Or it could be social media, or television, or video games, promise I didn't come here to bum you out <laughs> or to make you feel like a horrible person. That was not my intent. I did come here today to share with you some of the struggles that I've had in my life. And by sharing those struggles, I also hope to maybe call out some things in your life that aren't going so well. That maybe need a second look, need to be re-examined to see if they really are lining up with what the Bible says. And the reason I want to kind of call those things out, even though it might not be comfortable, it might not feel good, is because your story's not done yet. Your journey is not done, and so you have the opportunity to shift 
to change and grow and to become better. When I was in California, I had one of the craziest revelations of my life. And for anybody that might not, I mean, revelations is kind of a christian easy word. A revelation is just God revealing his heavenly truth to you in a way that you could have never understood it intellectually. Because we can understand the Bible on an intellectual level, but there are some things that just have to be understood in your heart and you'll probably understand it in a way that you can't necessarily communicate to other people just with words alone. It has to be a God thing. So I, I had this crazy revelation about unconditional love. Because for us, yeah, we can understand it intellectually. You know, we kind of know what it looks like, unconditional love. But oftentimes we are not unconditional lovers. And so it can be sometimes hard to really understand and, and function from that understanding. I think that's the key to truly understanding something, especially in the kingdom of heaven, is functioning from that truth as if it is a truth, like just gravity keeps us attached to the earth, so I don't walk around constantly worried that I'm going to fall off the earth. It's just a truth of the universe, and another truth of the universe is that God loves us unconditionally. But sometimes we walk around really worried that if we make a little mistake, then God's just going to send us right to hell right then, like... That's not how he works. So for me, it was just this amazing radical revelation that I can't necessarily express to you in words, but I will definitely try. It just opened my eyes and my heart to the reality that he will love me no matter what I do in my life. He will always be my advocate. He will always be my greatest support. And he will always defend me from evil. He will never, ever, ever come to guilt me or condemn me. He will only ever come to convict me. from a place of love so that I can live the best life possible. So once I opened up my heart to that reality, I've never really seen God the same because now even when I mess up, even when I sin, because we all sin, even when I look at God, and then I turn the other way and I do exactly what I know I'm not supposed to do because we all do that too. I know at the core of my being that there is always space for me to look into my Savior's eyes and say, I messed up, I disobeyed you, I didn't trust in you, but that's not the life I want to live. That's not the person I want to be. So please, Jesus, I ask for your forgiveness. I'm walking away from that decision. And I'm turning back to you. Help me to continue to pursue your heart. I know with everything inside of me that there is always a space for me to repent and to turn back to Jesus. Now, I just want to say this that does not give me the excuse to go and do those things because I know God will forgive me. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying when I do inevitably 
fail because we're human and we do. In the past, I would feel this like just hefty guilt. And I would just feel so just horrible about myself. And oftentimes it would take me a, a little bit of time to run back to Jesus because, I don't know, sometimes, what's that called when you like feel like you have to have pain? Like you have to, yeah, like this, sometimes we have this weird masochism. I think, is that right? Yeah. Like we just feel like, we just, sorry, we just feel like we're like, oh, I messed up today. I got to punish myself. I've got to. I've got to pay. Yeah, I've got to. I've got to pay for what I did before I can go back to Jesus. But now, I know that that's not what God desires at all. It's the opposite. That's like completely the opposite of what He wants. He wants us to just immediately run to Him. Immediately. And there may be some consequences we have to deal with. There may be some things we need to do to fix the mistake that we'd made. But that does not mean that we need to punish ourselves for it. And that does not mean that God will ever, ever not forgive you. So now, more and more, I just, the moment I come to my senses and realize I need to stop this, I just run to him. Because I don't want to live a second more than I have to, or I've made myself to in those moments of mistake and sin. I don't want to live a second more disconnected from God. And just the beautiful thing about God is that every single time he forgives me, he restores me, and he cleanses me. Every single time. Because he loves me like a husband loves his bride. He already gave his everything so that I can be free of my bondage, so that we can be free of our shackles and of sin and death, and we can walk side by side with him, not as a servant, not, not I mean, we do serve him, but, but he seeks relationship, he seeks partnership with us, so that we can walk with him in his kingdom of life and love and joy, He does it every time. When you woke up this morning, I'm sure many of you here did not feel like a bride of Christ. You probably don't see yourself that way because you've made mistakes. You haven't been seeing yourself from God's perspective. You haven't been seeing the world from God's perspective. You haven't been making time for God in your life. Or maybe you've been allowing junk to fill up your life so that you can't hear God. Well, I want to tell you today that your time isn't up. You have the opportunity to bow before the king, your heavenly husband, and say, I repent of my mistakes. Even the ones that I didn't realize I was making, 
Show me how to see myself as a bride and how to honor you as my bridegroom. If you do that, Jesus will respond to you. I promise you. I promise you. If you truly repent from your heart, then Jesus will respond. He will respond to that by refreshing you, by making you anew, and by inspiring you to take those big steps. If you make that decision, it's going to take some work. You got to do things like look up how many hours there are in the week. And figure out how you're going to fit God into those hours. You got to tell your family when it's movie night, I'm sorry, I got to take 15 minutes. Just give me 15 minutes. You can start the movie without me. It's junk anyways if I don't have God. I'll be right back. I'm going to spend some time with Jesus because I didn't get my time this morning. <laughs> you got to sit down on your break from work, your 10-minute break, and instead of pulling up your phone and just scrolling, you got to say, God, what can I pray for right now? I got 10 minutes. Who needs prayer right now? Who can I call right now and talk to for five minutes and encourage them? You got to set aside some time in your week to read the Bible, to refresh your perspective, allow it to speak to you, convict you, cut you like a double-edged sword so that you can continue to grow and feed yourself good food, take care of yourself. So it's going to take, it's going to take work. It's going to require action on your part. But if you put in the work on your end, then God will put in the work on his end over and abundantly. That's the really, really awesome part about the kingdom of God is that it doesn't work like the world where work results in a linear yield. It's a one-to-one -one ratio in the world. Well, in God, it's exponential. So you put in one hour of work and God gives you two hours worth of yield. You put in four hours, God gives you eight hours of work in yield. So if you just put in the work, then God will just bless you over and abundantly. <clears throat> so if I could have the worship team come up or just Deanna. I want to open up the space today for anybody that feels like they're in that spot. I want to give you an opportunity to come and bow before your heavenly bridegroom and just get some things off your chest. It may have been a little bit since you've been really honest with God or you may have just realized that you've been doing a lot of junk and not a lot of him. And that's okay as long as you come and make it known and release that and ask for him to help you to make a change in your life. I want to give you the opportunity today 
to start talking to God again and treating him with the honor and respect that is owed to him. Because he gave everything for you. He took you as his bride despite your blemishes, despite your scars, despite your sickness, despite all the baggage that's coming with it. He took you by the hand and said, I love you, my dear. And I want you to be mine for the rest of eternity. Let me wash away those blemishes. Let me cleanse you of those scars. Let me heal those past hurts so that you can be a better person. So that you can live the life that you're meant to live. This is your opportunity to step into that. And it's gonna stay, take a step of faith. Even if you feel like you don't know what change is gonna look like, how to accomplish that change, step out anyways. Trust God and he will respond to that trust. He will respond to your faith and move in your life. If I could have the ushers just come and take this. I really feel like this is not a time for body ministry. It's just a time for each of us individually to have a little date with our heavenly bridegroom. Just get some stuff off our chest and reconnect with him. I'm just going to pray. And then I'm just gonna open this up to you. <sighs> Jesus, I thank you for guiding me through the struggles in my life and helping me to see myself as a bride and to see you as my bridegroom. I pray that what I've shared today would touch the lives of this, these people before me, God. And not because my life is so grand or I'm so wise, but because you moved in my life. So I pray that you would move in the same way in their lives. And I pray that as we come forward today and maybe lay out some things that we're not too proud of, Repent of some things that have led us down the wrong path. I pray that everyone that comes forward to bow at your feet <laughs> would not feel the heavy guilt or condemnation that they may have felt in the past. I pray that they would feel nothing but your loving conviction that only calls them to draw closer to you. And I pray that this would not be a one-time thing, that this moment would yield fruit that is beyond our expectations, that this would actually be a moment of change not just a ritual to be forgotten, 
but a catalyst to propel us forward into the next season you have. In Jesus' name, amen.